Welcome to From the Bleachers, a Housewives game analysis podcast. I'm Sandra. I'm Mandy. I'm loud. (laughs) (laughs) And this week we are recapping Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, season four, episode nine. Sandra, overall, tell me, what did you think about the arc of this episode? The arc of the episode. It's funny because when, you know, you and I take very detailed notes as we're going through this and I'm like stopping and pausing and rewatching the whole time. And I'm trying to pick like my play of the game and my like MVP and everything. By the time I got to the end, you know, it took me like hours to get through the episode. I had forgotten what had happened at the beginning because <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was like, Oh, it's this is, entire episode was just about this fight between Monica, Angie, and Lisa. That's what it felt like when I got to the end. And then when I went back and reviewed my notes, I was like, oh no, all this other stuff happened. But I feel like that, not just because I was like knee deep in my notes in the episode, but I feel like that kind of took the cake was that whole thing at the end. And, And this is the second episode in a row, I think, where we have, the editors have done a really nice job of sort of building everything up for that climactic explosive Mm. fight. Cause last week we had Linda and Monica um, in a wonderful tete-a-tete at the restaurant where um, I just, I love a moment where a mother calls a daughter, a motherfucker. I think that to (laughs) me is just. I'm not going to call Linda, Linda anymore. She's Vovo. Vovo. I know. I was like, Volva. Did they call her Volva? Oh God. Once I realized they were calling her Vovo, which I've never heard before a grandma referred to as that. Is that like, is that in a certain culture or something? I don't know. I don't know. I could go back and look at the Portuguese that I studied for our our adventures in a Portuguese speaking country um, and see if that correlates. But what is the, because the mom's Portuguese, like Linda is Portuguese. So I don't know. I don't know. Well, anyway, I'm only calling her Vovo from here forward. All right. Vovo it is. So we start with a recap. We get, we see that Jack Barlow is going on a mission. He's going to Columbia. We see Angie and Monica's fight at the party and Vovo intervening. And then we see Monica and Vovo, their fight at the restaurant. And that's kind of like setting the scene for what's now going to happen in this episode. And we start at the Pink Sweets Cafe with Monica and Angie and they first they order at the counter, they sit down, and I really loved the the backdrop here. I'm not one to necessarily notice scenery, but I think that Salt Lake City in particular does a really good job with it. They have like some really great outdoor stuff going on, but this one was like, do you, did, do you remember it was like all those roses, roses on the wall? Yeah, wall of beautiful. I loved it. I mean, even the um, everyone, Angie and Monica comment on how lovely it is as well. Yeah, because I think cool. it's. Picking like a good backdrop for your scenes, I think is really important, especially if it's going to be something explosive. This wasn't, this was just like an ordinary kind of like a, I mean, we can get into it. It wasn't like a standout scene or anything. I thought it was a really good backdop for what was apology play, right? Because this is a lot of oh, apology yeah. play. So it was a really nice backdrop. That's true. For that. It did play in. It made me think of, I think it was, was it season two or season three? When Whitney takes Jen Shaw and Heather to a hot springs in like the middle oh. of nowhere, like it Rocky. Was, I think that was season Utah. two. Okay. And yeah, they're, they're in like these, way like, out in the boondocks. Like, yeah. Yeah. There's yes. these, like yes. individual baths. Yep. And then, and it just, there's this explosive fight and Jen Shaw's like splashing water at the camera. Yeah, bravo, bravo, bravo. (laughs) Getting out of the bath and back in. And like, I will always have that visual in my mind. They picked an amazing spot for it. Right. Good job to the location people. So this was nice. Uh, Angie brings a gift. It's a book for Monica's kids. And she said she feels bad for the way that things were left at the party. Um, It's a little bit of an apology play here. Monica says... That telling her what was being said about her was her way of being a friend. She's talking about the fact that she repeated rumors about Angie's husband sleeping with men. Angie said she was told that Monica also gossiped that her husband was good in bed. Monica denies this. And then we get a replay clip. This is something Bravo does a really good job at is those replay clips so that you can 
you, you don't have to think like, wait, wait, who said what? They'll just, they'll just show you. Yeah. The editors brought receipts. They said, yes. really, really Monica? Cause actually <laughs> you did. Yeah. I mean, she didn't say it exactly, but the replay clip, she says he has like boyfriends running around the city bragging about their sex. She did. So, I mean, that kind is, of, yeah, that she is implied in a court it, of law, I would say you okay. did. <laughs> well, you the did. lawyer has spoken. You said it. <laughs> Monica said it. <laughs> then we see, oh, Monica says Angie is taking Lisa's word as doctrine and believing everything she says. She's kind of stirring the pot here. Angie accepts Monica's explanation and says she's done and she's past it. Uh, They talk about how nice it is to talk calmly here versus at the party when everything was amped up. Monica produces tears and says that this was the most family-oriented thing her kids have done. With a shout out to Inside Out because she talks about it being core memories. So I thought that was nice. She's clearly been watching (laughs) some good Pixar Disney films with her children. So then Monica plays her PTC. A PTC, again, is that personal tragedy card. It's a really good play. It endears the viewer to you. It endears your fellow players to you to understand more about you, to bond you in your play together. So she plays her PTC and ITMs that her ex was the one with the family. And when the affair happened, I love the language that she uses. It's not like when I had an affair on my husband, it's like, no, (laughs) when the affair happened. Passive voice is very good for passing off your responsibility. (laughs) (laughs) When the affair happened, that changed everything. Uh, Her mom didn't come for the holidays before the affair, but afterward, her mom now comes for all the holidays. And she says, which is great, but often it ends in a fight. And then she ends up wondering why she even invited her. So... I wanted to talk a little bit about Monica because she has like this subtle victim play. And I say, maybe it's not subtle, but I'm just like, when I compare her to like the master victim player in Salt Lake City, which is Jen Shaw, RIP Jen Shaw, it's not on that same level. (laughs) Something happened to her in jail that I don't know about. (laughs) Just, you know, RIP from the franchise. RIP from the show. Yeah. (laughs) She may be back. I feel like in her 48 months or 75 months, she may be back. (laughs) If the franchise lasts that long. Oh, man. I know. I have concerns. I have concerns. Shame on you. Right. But I, but I feel like, okay, so Jen Shaw, master victim player, right? Like everything is a victim play and it's, it's mm-hmm. constant. Monica's victim play is more subtle. I feel like it's more effective. I feel, I agree that it, it, it's, hmm, I don't know if it's more subtle necessarily. Um, I do think, I don't know. She's just, she's becoming a bigger, she's not as big of a personality as Jen Shaw in a certain way, but she's got a little bit of that insecure, like, what, you think you're better than me? Kind of mm-hmm. like thing. And it even comes out in that end fight, right? Like I got street smarts and that's number one. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I I think we have very different, I don't, I don't like her victim play. Okay. I agree. She's got it. I agree. It is more subtle or of a different feel than Jen Shaw's, but it doesn't work on me. You're not being sucked in. So I I am. She's completely sucking me in. (laughs) And I think the reason that she is, is because she has Vovo. She has her mom on the show with her. And so we kind of see the person that she is putting herself in the victim seat to. And Vovo d- is not coming off as a person to me. I feel like it humanizes because I'm like, if I grew up with a mom like that, maybe I'd be a little bit like Monica too. Right. I mean, I had a good friend growing up who she and her mom had a very, a very, like they loved each other more than anything. They were who each other had. And it definitely, um, but they had their moments where they were just at each other. Um, but yet they were both like beautiful. Wonder- I wouldn't say it was abusive the way that this is being mm. shown to be abusive, the Monica Vovo relationship. Um, but I mean, at the end of the last episode, I mean, the way they've edited Vovo is she's just kind of like, she's crazy. She's just, cr- I mean, she's like literally like, calling her daughter a motherfucker. And then all of a sudden in the next scene, she's like, I'm hungry and calm (laughs) as can be. So you're just like, wow, this woman is just like, at least from what we're being shown, it appears (laughs) that way. 
Exactly. And I think that's part of Monica's good play is that she has got Vovo on screen. I think anytime you can get your family members on the show, it's good play. Usually it humanizes you in some way. But in this case, it's more than that. It really amplifies the drama and it puts into perspective what she's saying about yeah. feeling abused by her mom. Sure. Um, I It really was making me think about, because I know you and I have been talking about the perfecting our reunion seating score. And right. one thing we had discussed was maybe giving like extra half points to players who have either a spouse or a family member who make it to the reunion. And I, I'm going to say it right now. I'm predicting Vovo will be at the reunion. Oh, absolutely. And I think Monica de- deserves something for that. Okay. Okay. I think, I think now I want to be clear just because I don't like her. Does not mean I don't think that she is, she is a master player. Like the thing is, <laughs> She comes to this party with the most understanding of how to create drama, to manufacture drama, and to have the attention on her. So she is much more like a tramp stamp, I think, than Lisa. Just to to give a little preview to that quote. Okay. And this is her first season. That's It's an amazing first season of play. Right? She jumped in hot. So back to this little cafe with the roses. Angie is Monica's shoulder to cry on that her STCO. Um, And then Angie plays her PTC, which is very similar. It's a mirror PTC, let's say that Mm -hmm. her childhood was also difficult with her mom being an alcoholic. And then Angie ITMs that she lost her mom when she was young. She has some tear play here. It saddens her to see Monica have a bad relationship with her mom when she never even got to have a relationship with hers. Um, the two seem to bond about their similar mirror PTCs and um, being each other's STCO. And they end the scene holding hands. So it's yes. uh, from top to bottom, it's a beautiful romantic scene. If this were The <laughs> Bachelor, I would say we've got roses aplenty. <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of roses. <laughs> right? All right. So, well, we move from that scene. We go to Whitney's house. She is getting a a tarp down and then Lisa Barlow shows up um, and we find out Whitney ITMs to us. She's got two large events back to back. She's got her new jewelry line that she's releasing um, and we've got Bobby's 13th birthday, which is going to be a luau themed party. So Lisa shows up with the minor miracle of getting all the tiki torches in the back of her car And um, the physical activity of the scene is the two of them splattering paint on these tiki (laughs) torches. I was like, what are they about to do with these tiki torches? And then you just see them like flicking paint on them. Yeah. And and I also was sort of like, why are you putting the the fuel canisters in there before you put paint on them? That doesn't seem ideal to me. But that's just me with my minor experience with tiki torches. (laughs) So this is, you know, in the overall edit of the show, this is in some ways just a little exposition scene. We're just setting up what's going on. Um, We've got um, Whitney's happy her mom is coming to Bobby's party because as we know, we've got our our underlying, um, and this was sort of in the last few episodes, like tailgate parties after snow events, where they talk about both Whitney and Heather talk about how their mom sort of like disappeared from their lives once they got divorced and excommunicated. I haven't been watching all the episodes as closely this season as we've watched a couple of them. And so I think I I missed that. I was very confused why we were so- Why we care. Why it was such a big deal. (laughs) Why do we care? (laughs) So that's why. I always love a little behind the scenes moment. This this scene has one where you see Whitney's mic on the back of her outfit while she's bending mm. over and painting. Bravo, bravo, bravo. Moment. Yeah, yeah. Um, we talk a little bit about Mary Cosby. We have a very fun, comedic, lighthearted flashback, if you can call Mary's story of telling <laughs> Bobby how about someone died yeah. in an accident um, is lighthearted. But To me, Mary Cosby is, she's nothing but comedy. Nice fluff here and there. Yeah. So yeah, then then Whitney, of course, what the meat of this is, as far as our story is, we've got some fire stoking, a little bit of joining the fight in a way Mm -hmm. with Whitney bringing up 
you know, I'm inviting Monica, you know, I'm a little concerned that you think that, you know, you don't believe she's in an abusive relationship. And we get a flashback from a scene I don't actually remember. Like the clothing was different than all the other tailgate scenes that I remember. But we have they do Monica, this a like, lot. Really crying. <laughs> they do this a lot in all the housewives uh franchises where they will show a scene that they filmed but that didn't make air. Right. And so they just show you like the little piece that you need to know from that instead of showing you the whole scene. And that so is that's, definitely, so that's what this was. Yeah. That flashback is definitely that. And then Lisa comes back with, you know, I think it's really convenient. You know, you can be abused. You can also be abusive. If your mom is horrible, make changes. She doesn't think Monica's sincere. She thinks that this is all a convenient deflection by Monica to distract people from the fact that Monica was the one who was actually spreading the portion of the rumor that really upset Angie, um, which we now know is water under the bridge because they were just holding hands, Angie and Monica. Yeah. My jaw dropped when Lisa first said, I love when things are conveniently abusive. I was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) But uh, she goes on to like, maybe sometimes she's just maybe not great with her words, but she goes on to explain like you can be abused and abusive and that she makes some valid points, but she does. And I would say she's getting the villain edit. This episode is Mm -hmm. Lisa Barlow villain edit. Um, Yeah. So, and Whitney, of course, is like, you know, I think Whitney, especially because we have also, she's revealed some of her trauma and her background. Um, She's got a PTC of some um, abuse when she was a kid. And so she is, you know, I have to believe Monica, which is, you know, what you do with your friends, right? Like you stand by them. Um, And so, um, yeah, so we've got a little bit of that split. So that sort of helps further alienate Lisa from our crew here. And Mm -hmm. and then we get her ITM, like your trauma is not an excuse to spread rumors. So that's her storyline. That's where she's planting her flag. Yes. In that scene. And so that's, that's basically all that scene does for us. Yeah. I think we're just kind of, yeah, they're just kind of saying like, who's on Monica's side here? Who's not right. Yeah. So then we cut to commercial and I know you don't get the commercials. No, because I am a Peacock subscriber. <laughs> so if anyone, if Peacock wants to throw me an extra free month or something for bringing that up. It's true dedication. <laughs> I'm not a, usually a commercial watcher. I fast forward through them if I can. If I can't, I'm like on my phone. I'm doing something else. I'm not paying attention. However, something stood out, which was that's that. not <laughs> the kind of comment that's going to get us advertisers. Oh, shh. <laughs> Sigh. <laughs> From Real Housewives of New York, the new reboot cast, um, is in a commercial for Ninja Thirsty with her daughter. <laughs> and it's with super her daughter. Cute. With her daughter, and her daughter's super cute. I know you haven't seen the season, but they're really sweet. And they even bring part of her like storyline, not her storyline, but just like part of what you know about her from this season about her needing food at events. Like she gets really hangry. So they bring that in and her daughter's like, did you get hangry at that event or did you get some food? And it works. Like, I really want the Ninja Thirsty now. What I might is, ask for it for Christmas. What is the Ninja Thirsty? It's like one of those bubble water makers with like flavoring. So it's a soda stream. Yeah, it's like a soda stream, but it's a Ninja Thirsty. instead. <laughs> <laughs> I want one now. I need the Listener, Ninja Thirsty. My head is in my hands. Some of them have like energy you can add in. I don't know. It was good. Every, I was like, yeah. good for Sai. She got a commercial <laughs> with her daughter. How many seasons in is the new reboot on New York City? Because Just know, one. Just, they just, just finished one. their first uh, okay. season. And they. So I actually I've, haven't watched the reunion, but I think the reunion is done now. I, I, I've got my connections to New York City, so. Oh. I'd well. be into that too. Next year. Um, we also get in this commercial break, a commercial for the new hunger games movie. And it's like the prequel Mm -hmm. to the rest of the series. And I have been getting back into hunger games because of my 10 year old son who goes to school with your 10 year old son and (laughs) part of our real housewives of bend moment. (laughs) Yes. He is getting into Housewives, or not Housewives, (laughs) although he did watch a little bit of Atlanta with me. He's getting into Hunger Games and I've been having fun kind of like 
reading the books back with him and then watching, nice. going and watching the movies. And it's been really nice. But what something I didn't take much note of back when I first read the books and saw the movies was how much of a statement that movie makes about reality TV. Yeah. Yeah. What a funny commercial to have yes. uh, for a reality TV show. It's very meta and yet very oppositional to what yeah. we're doing here. It's because it's a very dark take on reality TV. You've got like Katniss and PETA's storyline in the Hunger Games is that they're in love, but you see behind the scenes how like put on that is, or right? at the very least, very embellished. And then you've got like Caesar Flickerman, Dark Lord Flickerman. If you will, <laughs> the darkest Lord of them all. I had a friend, by the way, Ardo, another friend, my sister-in-law was telling me how her friend went to move to Miami and was then on a Spanish language, real housewife show and was basically like forced to have a maid, which she never had before. And then ha- asked the maid to cook for her and like berate the maid for how bad oh, the no. food was. I was about to say, I would love to be forced to have a maid, but I would not yeah, be but, the second part of that. Not, not if you have to yell at them. <laughs> right. um, so it's just the level of manipulation, shall we say. Wow. I know. Right. All right. Let's get to Heather and Monica. Yes. Yeah, so we're they're meeting at the Franklin Avenue bar. This is Heather, not Heather and Monica. It's Heather and Meredith, right? Sorry, Heather and Meredith. I had MM and I just said it's Monica. <laughs> Meredith comes in with uh, what I thought was a good fashion play. And again, my my assessment of fashion play is extremely basic. I have no idea what brand she's wearing. I have no idea if it's in style or not, but it was bright red head to toe and it caught head my to eye. Toe. I loved it. I agree. <laughs> I, I just, I, I wrote down fabulous red outfit. So yes, that's I, some good fashion play. Yeah. Caught both of our eyes. Good fashion play. They hug. Uh, they talk about Heather's daughter's prom. Heather brings up Jack's mission and says, Jack is going to have to preach Mormonism by the book. And she wonders if he knows what he's in for with his mom, with Lisa's Mormonism being very different, uh, wearing spaghetti straps to church, owning a East Coast Mormon. She calls it an East Coast Mormon. Yeah. (laughs) I love that. Meredith is like, is there such thing as an East Coast Mormon? Uh, Listeners comment. Is there? (laughs) (laughs) And... Heather seems to really struggle with Lisa being able to be whatever sort of Mormon she wants. Well, Heather feels like she's invalidated and excluded for her bad Mormonism. What is Heather's storyline this season? That's kind of been it. It's basically her storyline. I feel is like it just is... like promoting her book, Bad Mormon. Yeah. And in <laughs> some ways I feel like she's got the book out. And so, so she is focusing on that storyline of how hard it is to culturally be so Mormon and have all these Mm. things so ingrained in her, but then to be pushed out of the fold. Um, So yeah. Yeah. I feel like, like it's a good storyline, but it's like, we've seen it for three seasons now, Heather. Exactly. That's sort of, and I will, I will say with Heather, with Meredith, at least in this episode, I mean, I guess earlier episodes were a little more fiery with our four returning players but those four returning players in this episode are not that exciting for the most part they're just kind of they're a little bit of lighthearted fluff meredith says she's going to whitney's daughter's party but she is not going to start a fight she's just going to bring a gift and say hi and keep it short and leave and that is an error (laughs) It is an error, but um, it allowed Heather to make uh, to bring up a term that I loved, the French exit, which oh, is yeah. also like an Irish goodbye, apparently. Like, I love that term because apparently that's what I like to do, which is where you just <laughs> silently kind of sidle off and disappear yeah, and don't having... say goodbye at a party. Yes, <laughs> not great TV, but no, it works if you're an introvert. Okay, so you're calling that a... Um, uh, at least a predictive error. That she's I'm, predict- I'm predicting that. an error. Yeah. I would say that the, I also, speaking of fashion, I think that may be the first time we see Heather in her ITM and that really fun blue Victorian top with the little blue necktie kind of thing and the pearls. I really liked yeah, that. Outfit. I liked that and too. That was really cute. Really cute. 
All right. So we kind of go from there. <clears throat> we have a, a quick little scene with um, Whitney and Bobby getting glam together. And we see so a couple. Cute. It was so cute. We see, I love the photo of um, Whitney, Justin and Bobby when Bobby was like a year old. Um, yeah. That was fun. And I, that was one of my favorite moments is the, sh- I have eyebrows scene where Bobby yes. is all excited about her eyebrows. I thought that was really, really cute. That was very cute. And another just example of how bringing your family on the show is, it's great, endears people to you. It's exactly. Yeah. Yes. Like Whitney's not getting a lot of confrontation or drama plays going on here. Um, right. And I would say one of the things that's kind of going on in this episode and possibly in this season is Previously, Whitney was the little girl, um, as Mary Cosby would call her. (laughs) Um, But Monica has clearly taken that role. So it's sort of like when you have a dog that plays like a puppy and you get a younger dog, suddenly that dog (laughs) is now an old dog. Your first dog is now an old dog. And that's kind of what Whitney is doing in this season is we're seeing Whitney growing up. Mm, You know, she's a working mom. She's far Mm -hmm. more involved in her businesses. She's, you know, having discussions with Justin about, we've got to balance this now that you're going back to work because it's a lot on me, blah, blah, blah. So that's kind of what's been going on there. Um, Then we move on to Heather with Georgia and Annabella, her daughters. Um, So again, we've got some nice family humanizing Mm -hmm. moments. Um, They're getting ready to wrap some presents for Bobby's party. Um, I love that they're giving a 13 year old, a giant stuffed unicorn. Oh, I didn't even notice what they were wrapping. (laughs) It was, it was things that was like, well, she's 13, not 10, but okay. But I guess, you know, she's, (laughs) I would take a giant stuffed unicorn and I would put it right in my recording studio. Right there. (laughs) Boom. (laughs) (laughs) Can we talk about, uh, cause I think you're about to say that about the phone call. Yeah. I really want to talk about what it takes to film a phone call in these in these right? shows because right? it's like they always FaceTime each other. Yeah. And I've thought like, I've, I've tried to wrap my head around this, but it's like, you see, it's like, you see first you get a, a shot full screen. Yeah. You, you get, you get shots of the actual screen where you see both of their faces, but then you also get shots from the other side of the phone. Like as if you're like watching the person talk on the phone and I just, it has to be impossible to get that conversation in one take. They must make them have the conversation twice because otherwise you'd I, see a camera behind, like Heather's talking to Angie on the phone. You'd see a camera behind Heather filming the phone. Otherwise you've got probably, it's probably multi-cam, right? You've got more than one camera. Like they have mm-hmm. to, the number of oh, sure. different angles they have, we're definitely multi-cam. And I would say the zooming capabilities of the lenses may allow for placement, right? Well, and especially if you have something mounted, like, or, you know, if you've got something high up above Heather, so you can look down Mm. at the phone and zoom in on just the phone and cut, you know, the editing so that that phone fills up your whole screen. Um, That could be up high enough that it is not in the shot of the camera that's catching Heather. Does that make sense? Maybe. I don't know. I guess we're going to have to go to film school to really analyze how this works. (laughs) I think we're our first (laughs) guest, our first housewife guest on the show. That's going to be my number one question is how do they film the FaceTime conversations? We're going to get some cinematographers on here. I love it. I love it. Uh, Directors of photography. Yeah. So basically um, Heather calls uh, Angie um, and we get a shout out on the bedazzling of A's denim coat. I love that they actually use the word bedazzle. Um, because that I remember Jen throw back to the last episode we recorded um, together. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the poll, the whole crux of this phone call, weed, uh, weed out the fluff is Angie accidentally just blurts out about Lisa Barlow's family brunch. She accidentally blurts out accidentally <laughs> see the air quotes. Um, that has Whitney and Justin, Angie and Sean, and the Barlows, where they reveal to them that Jack is going to Columbia. Mm-hmm. And so the whole point of that is for to help further Heather's story, right? Of being excommunicated, feeling rejected. And she ITMs about how much it stings even harder because of the loosey-goosey Mormonism. Mm-hmm. I will say one of the things that Angie does really well that I really like about her is right away she realizes 
Oh, I'm so sorry. I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have brought that up. So yeah. Angie's got a lot of apology play in this episode. And STCO too. Cause she's, she's kind of being there for, her. she's like, I'm so sorry, Heather. Yeah. Yes. She is um, both in this scene and later, she is the, the middle person she is in the center and, the, and that's a lot of that STOC. <laughs> Shoulder to on cry. Shoulder to offer cry. <laughs> Um, and so Heather is, you know, I am going to just avoid her and not lose my temper. And we get some good, we get a little bit of face play from Heather in that scene. They end on a great face play from Angie on the phone. You have something to say about oh, that? No, I was looking oh. at Heather. She screws her mouth up to the side turns her eyeballs upward to the sky in like an exaggerating rolling movement, shakes her head side <laughs> to side. And that was my face play of the game. Nice. Nice. I didn't catch maybe, Angie's. Maybe it was very quick. And it was like the mm. third watch that I saw it. And she like has a kind of a, it's funny because she's got her crazy disco hair and she just has this big, like, whoa, big wide eyed. Oh. And so maybe it was reacting to Heather's face, which for some reason I totally missed. Oh, I got to figure out how to get good images of this too. Cause like I wanted to take a picture of it on the screen, but if I pause then like the screen, anyway, we got to figure yeah. out, I got to get figure out a good system to get images of these. All right. So that's kind of, that's kind of it for that little scene. Yeah. And then we get a flash forward to a Lisa. Well, I don't know if you get this since you don't do the commercials. So I don't know if you get the flash forwards to drama also, but there's like a flash forward to Lisa and Monica confrontation play at the party later and then cut to commercial. So it's like, yes. keep watching through the commercial. Yep, yep. This is about to come. So then we come back from the commercial. Nothing, enough, no commercials of note here. Oh, <laughs> I watched them for you. Okay, so we come back from the commercial and we are back at Whitney's house. It's the day of Bobby's party. She has all her friends over. This entire party is a show me the money play by Whitney. Yes, which I meant to mention that was when they talk about the golf cart during the yes. flicker painting party. That was <laughs> also show me the money. Uh, the big bus with mountains painted on it comes to pick up Bobby and the all her friends. Safe bus. I mean, if you think school buses <laughs> aren't safe when the way they have the seating before, like this bus is way unsafe. I'm glad you were Would not about put safety my 13 year old child on that moment. bus. <laughs> they uh, the bus takes them to a skating rink. Meredith is already there. We see Lisa arriving. Angie is putting on her skates. Lisa is adjusting the tiki torches, which you can see the paint splatters on. Well, Heather is <laughs> greeting Meredith. Um, we get cuts of people skating. And then Monica arrives. Are, wait a minute. Are you going to pass over the Bond bikini? Meredith Marks Bond gold bikini? What? She's wearing a gold bikini. Okay, clearly I need to watch blazer. the episode twice because I missed this. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I that was a really nice. Um, yeah, it was like James Bond lady. Here we well, go that's in a gold some bikini. Great fashion play, and I'm really sad that I missed it. So Monica's the last to arrive. They don't make like a big deal of it, but I did note that she was the last to arrive. She she gets our tardy for the party and our TFP or our tardy for the party that is awarded to the player that's the last to arrive to a big event because the producers usually tell the women what time to arrive to things. And often intentionally it's, it is said that they have the player who's currently embroiled in the most drama arrive last. And um, we named it after the tardy for the party song from the early seasons of Real Housewives of Atlanta that blew up into a hit single for Kim Zolciak. Tardy for the party. Whoa, whoa. I don't know how much I can sing without getting. Wow. Without getting too into it, I would say like, oh, without and really, that, too. that was amazing. Thank you. <laughs> I, I single will coming more. for me soon too. <laughs> uh, this was an easy TFP to miss though. They didn't really make a big deal of it, but I no, did know that she was the last one to arrive. Lisa greets Whitney's mom, Jolene, kind of Jolene, knowing that Jolene. she's there, but nothing. <laughs> Hey, it's time for your hit single. (laughs) Uh, Justin, Whitney's husband, is skating, holding hands with John, Lisa's husband. I love some good husband play. Yeah, yeah. I feel like they may, like, I feel like Justin's face is because he's about to run into the cameraman, but they uh, (laughs) they did that real nice. 
Lisa and Angie are doing some weird skating together, holding hands. They said they, they say they're Greek dancers without the cash. I didn't get that reference. That's back to the Easter party um, in the last episode oh. at the Easter brunch or maybe the one before, maybe it was seven that the Easter brunch was in. I can't remember, but um, yeah, there's like, it's, you know, it's a Greek thing. You dance, people throw money at you. Okay. <laughs> it sounds like it's a strip club thing, but it's a Greek thing. Gotcha. <laughs> The husbands are all gathered together talking about Jack's mission and Seth, Meredith's husband, says if he went on a mission to Las Vegas like John did, he'd have been done the first week. I really like that line. <laughs> Angie tells Lisa that Heather was hurt that she wasn't invited to Jack's mission announcement brunch. Um, Lisa says she doesn't think it's a big deal. <laughs> I love it. There's a lot of that during this whole episode, Lisa being like, it's not that deep. It's not it's a not big that deal. Deep. It's not a big deal. <laughs> yeah. There's not a lot to it. It was just a snarky comment. Right. And then she said she needs a dirty diet Coke and she gets up. I've never heard of a dirty, dirty diet Coke. Is that like diet Coke with alcohol either. in it? I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. I will have to Google it. Meredith yeah. decides it's time to roll out. She grabs Seth and says it's time to go. And Meredith rolling out early. And then not showing up on screen again for the remainder of the entire episode was my wow. error of the game. That's a big, wow. So I like it. I like it. Yeah. She, not only does she not engage with anyone here, she doesn't make it to the other event either. She doesn't go to the prison yeah. party. I felt like she was almost completely absent. Well, she does, I guess she episode. does show up. She shows up briefly when um, Lisa's asking Whitney at the prison event, like, who is Heather coming? And it's like, no. And it flashes to Heather with um, the prom pickup. And then oh, is Meredith coming? Like, and it's like, yeah. no. And she's like, these were supposed to be abstract M's. Um, <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> So it's clearly she doesn't do anything else of note. She doesn't try and resolve she any drama, get involved herself. in any drama. Yes. Yeah. She totally she benched, benched herself. herself. And I know there's there's like kind of an unwritten code among the housewives not to get crazy at events that involve kids, which we can argue whether that's good play or not. I'd say it's not, you know, go ape shit around the kids. Like that's good TV. However, I understand if you're trying to stick to some morals, <laughs> um, but you if have to you make up trying. for it. <laughs> I think if you don't want child protective services coming after your children, it's probably a good idea. Right. Good parent play and good housewife play, two completely separate things. Very different. <laughs> that said, if you do decide to have good parent play instead of good housewife play, you have to make up for it by attending other things, right? And getting involved right. in the Go to the prism else. event, you know? Yes. Don't be talking about your um, your your yeah, monogram collection. Yeah, so that was my air of the game. Maybe I'm just upset that I couldn't do my amazing spot on Meredith impression during our recap this time. <laughs> but I thought that that play was repugnant. Yeah, I guess there was also another flashback to the you can leave. Oh, I'm yes. going to turn her into Catherine good. Hepburn is what I'm going to do. Um, <laughs> because she was very British that night. That night at that party, it was like the nasty rumors. <laughs> the rumors like, with husband. She was not sure what her accent was that night. Um, oh, she's been great this season. Uh, this, this she season. didn't pull it. She didn't pull it out this episode. But I don't like the the. Um, I feel like she definitely got a lot of work. She's doing a lot of plastic stuff on her face, and it, mm. I don't like how she looks now. She doesn't look as natural. You don't, you don't like the plastic surgery play. Although Lisa at the prism event is the other end of that coin. The other side of that coin coins don't have an mm. end. Um, <laughs> but anyway, moving right along. <laughs> Monica and Heather are talking. Monica says that Lisa has ignored her ever since she called her materialistic. Heather tells her that Lisa told Whitney Monica was bashing her mom for attention. Stirring the pot, stoking yes. the fire. Yes, she's stoking. It's fire stoking play. Mm -hmm. Heather tells her that Lisa told, oh, already said that. Monica says Lisa doesn't know anything about her. And why is she obsessed with her? Get your name out of my <laughs> mouth. Monica ITMs. She is trying hard to hold it together since it's a kid's birthday party. There's some mom morals coming in, I guess. Uh, Lisa skates over to them. This timing seems very producer influenced. Like just as they're right. talking about Lisa, Lisa shows on up over to them. 
I have a question. Did we like, is this past the flashback with the Whitney and Heather flashback? Maybe tell me because the red leather outfit that Heather was wearing in that, I was like, I want to see more of this. Why did we not get this scene? The scene, whatever happened in that scene that wasn't super interesting, (laughs) Uh, doesn't matter. I would have liked to seen Heather in that red leather outfit. Well, the fashion play was good, but clearly the rest of the play in that scene was was subpar, was mediocre. (laughs) (laughs) Heather tells Lisa that she just told Monica that Lisa thinks she's embellishing the issues with her mom. And Lisa says, wait, what? I love her. Yeah. Her initial like, what? I'm innocent. <laughs> Wait, what? I didn't say that. No, but you did. So we cut away to commercial. We come back from the commercial. We're back at the party with Lisa saying, Wait, what? By the way, that was a great play on Heather's part, right? Because like Lisa sits down and Heather's like, you know, like, what are you guys talking yeah, about? And Heather's like, <laughs> Oh, you're well, here. <laughs> you know, we're not going to try and just be polite and not Skirt talk about nothing. It, yeah. I'm just gonna say, like, we're just talking about the fact that <laughs> Yeah. Let's get right into it. That uh, you think Monica's making shit up. Yeah. Lisa says it was just a snarky comment. That's all it was. She says meeting Monica's kids and mom at Easter was a disaster. Monica says her mom is very charming and charismatic and very nice. And so was Ted Bundy. And she says her kids don't even want to be around her. And Lisa wonders why she was at the Easter thing then. And she asks... It's it's like the, this whole, like every interaction between Monica and Lisa, by the way, if you were to break this down as like debate techniques, oh. this is why I don't like Monica. She, oh, okay. she debates like certain political candidates where she is just throwing out <laughs> straw man arguments. She is deflecting and derailing. She's not addressing the actual issue. A lot of ad hominem attacks. Don't like it. Don't bring it to my door. <laughs> Lisa wonders why she was at the Easter thing then. She asks if Vovo is around and helps with the kids. And Monica brings out a great confrontation play and says, do you want to ask my kids? You don't believe anything I say. Maybe you need to hear it from a fucking five-year-old. That was lovely. I loved it. (laughs) This was almost my play of the game. Almost. I would say that flashback edit is also legally seriously inconclusive. Like it's it's just not a good edit of, of the oldest daughter, Bree, saying that what Bovo is doing doesn't reflect on you as a mother. Um, we don't know what they're talking about that Bovo is doing um, and, and like whether that even relates to her as a mother. Anyway. Yeah. I, and I, I thought that was not good evidence. I know also that I am generally supporting bringing on family members and getting them involved, but I got a little bit of the ick here that I felt like maybe the daughter was encouraged to say something about her grandma on TV. I was like, yeah. oh, that might be a little too far. I'm getting the ick. Like yeah. I I didn't like that one. That was maybe it's took dirty. it a little too far it's for me. Dirty little show. A little too dirty. <laughs> Lisa turns her head to the side toward Heather. She so she physically turns her head to the side towards Heather, who's next to her, to tell her her perception of the situation. Then Monica cuts her off. Oh no, this was almost my play of the game. Monica cuts her off and points at her and says, that's what my mom does. (laughs) And she says that at the dinner, that dinner fight with her mom, Vovo turned her head to the side and talked to a plant. And at first I'm confused, but then the editors give us a lovely shot of a house plant. And I'm like, oh no, she was actually talking about a plant, like a a literal house plant. And, um, yeah, this was almost my play, the play of the game. It was so abrupt and loud and ridiculous. It gives the producers a chance to like play around with something. They've got all of a sudden Heather's ITMs that Lisa is Vovo and Heather is a plant. And the creative editing actually turns Heather into a plant and turns Lisa into Vovo. I loved it. I really loved it. I loved Heather as a plant. <laughs> she makes a great plant. She's like, this is not a good label. (laughs) Lisa gets up and says that Monica is maybe more like her mom than she thinks. Lisa finds Angie and says Monica told her she's just like her mom right after comparing her mom to Ted Bundy. She also gets in a dig about Monica carrying fake Chanel, attacking her fashion play. And then we're back to the party antics. Bobby's drinking Dr. Pepper. Whitney's walking on the ice in high heels. I would call that fashion play. 
I would call that fashion bravery. (laughs) It's incredibly skillful. I can't walk in high heels on regular level ground. Right. So on the ice, that's incredible. Um, the, there's a big present on the center of the ice rink and they pull the sheet off and it's revealed that it's a giant golf cart. Show this is me like the, the final, money. Yeah, this is our, our final show me the money play. And did you catch the dark snarkery of the is snarkery a word it is now of the producers here? So we have this moment. It's they show this big they show Whitney giving her daughter this like giant golf cart for her birthday in like this big show me the money play. And then they cut to Monica. Yes, that's right. Trying to comfort her five-year-old daughter. And she's like, do you want a grass skirt? And the grass skirts like falling apart and broken. And I was like, wow. Yes, that is a nice, like, let's show the disparity between Monica, who in a previous episode was crying about how she went and bought an expensive designer purse just so she could fit in. Yes. And now all she has to offer her daughter is a broken, a breaking, yes, a falling apart plastic piece of crap. Just dirty. Lisa finds Heather and tells her she's not excluding her from anything, but it's a fine balance because Mormonism is something she's walking away from. But Jack is like, yay, mission. Heather says it feels like the great divide in Utah between those who are in or out of the church. And Lisa says it's not about that. Um, And then another, I was like, this has to be producers again. Jack comes in right as they're talking about this. Right, right. Heather congratulates him on his mission. Lisa tells Jack that Heather did her mission in the south of France. And Lisa reiterates after Jack goes away that it's not about excluding Heather. It's being respectful of her. And Heather says, Lisa is not a Mormon, but she gets to wear the title. And Lisa says she is 100% Mormon. That's why my kid's serving the Lord. And then they both laugh. Which is is fun. I thought, um, and then Heather's ITM, like about the breakthrough. This was another, like a little apology play. It showed some nice maturity. And I guess sort of, it sort of counteracts a little bit of that villain edit on Lisa because it shows her going high, right? So yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to give you a little more Michelle Obama. They go low, we go high mm-hmm. later in this episode. Um, but I, I liked this moment. I liked this scene. Yeah. It was nice. And we see like a growth, the growth that their friendship has taken over the course of the show. And that's always nice to see. It's not, you know, we need our housewives to engage in drama and be a little ridiculous, but we also need to see growth in them over time. And so this was a wonderful moment to see. Exactly. I agree. So then um, we see a flash forward to a sound bath juxtaposed with more loud confrontation play between Lisa and Monica. So we have that to look forward to. Coming back from the commercial, oh, we cut to commercial. <laughs> Coming back from commercial, we are at Lisa's house. It's Lisa and her husband, John. Lisa says she's still decompressing from the weekend, um, and she's referring to the party. Back up one second. Mm-hmm. I don't know, because I, I kind of cut you off there at the end of the party. Did yeah. you want to mention how Angie says to Monica, like after oh. Lisa goes to say goodbye? I'm not sure if I got that, but I see we've got some goodbye hugs. Lisa is purposely avoiding Monica. And then we see, no, and then I just have the flash forward. What did I miss? Oh, Angie says to Monica, we're all in the middle of this and you've got to fix it. So because of that awkward goodbye moment. So that's also a little prism preview. (laughs) The prism Prism pop-up preview. Almost upon us. (laughs) Back to Lisa and John. Lisa and John are together. Lisa tells John that Monica equated Vovo to Ted Bundy and then said that Lisa is like Vovo. She says she saw Monica and Angie talking together as she was leaving. And she accuses Angie of lying to her about her relationship with Monica. And then she, I love the the snarkiness of the producers. They're always showing these cuts of her ignoring John and getting distracted by something else. <laughs> She's ignoring him to type text messages on her phone. But uh, it, it's the text message from Whitney too is just like, can't wait to see you at the event. And then all of a sudden... <laughs> She's just in her phone. And that's where I yes. made the little joke in my notes. Like, huh, maybe the season is about her tech addiction. I don't know. 
<laughs> she's very distracted and distractible. Uh, yes. However, I wonder if that really was the text that she was responding to, or if that exactly. was just. Exactly. <laughs> if that's just an edit to make her look even more like maybe even. that's a villain edit. Um, yes. Yeah. Playing yeah. into the villain edit for sure. Yo, yo, yo. All right. So then we're going to cut to Heather steaming George's prom dress and going to Heather's storyline, the worry that she wouldn't get to go to prom because of the Mormon ostracism and, and how she's so excited about George's boyfriend, Adi. I think I can't remember if that's how it was pronounced, but so there um, he is the son of um, some Bosnian immigrants. He's Muslim. She's so grateful they have each other. Her first real boyfriend wants to support it, nervous is about a mom. She gives us that funny ITM about her first laying down makeout session, nine months oh into a relationship. That was hilarious. So, is that a PTC? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, she says, yeah, they were, it was the first time they made out lying down. It took them nine months into the relationship. And then the next morning, he, he called like, her up and said, we're never doing that again. But I had... I had a friend in high school who dated um, a Mormon boy and that was her constant complaint was like, every time we do anything even close to exciting, he'll be like, oh, I need, I have to stop myself. <laughs> she would oh. get so frustrated. <laughs> so then we are now moving on to Whitney's Prism event. Lisa shows up to help up. I noticed she's looking a little puffy in the scene. Um, that may be part of the the edit. That's part of them trying to make her look older um, mm. right now. And that's where we find out. She's like, is Heather coming? Like, no. I'm cutting to the prom pickup with Adi. Is Meredith coming? No. Cutting to Meredith at her store with the jewelry line. Lisa's worried she won't know anybody. So we've got her fearful and alone. Um Whitney, we get a little information in an ITM from Whitney about her prism jewelry line, which of course I then went and looked up. Um, and so it's about sort of her journey, her spirituality combined with all this other stuff and um, wanting to inspire people to connect with the jewelry and shop. <laughs> she gets a nice little, um, a nice little hit from her husband. Justin comes up and tells her how hot she looks. And she shows up in a crazy dress that's got all these cutouts on it. I was not a fan okay. of that dress. Um, I don't. Re I don't recall. Oh, it was like blue with like these like vertical wave cutouts, kind of to mm. that were like. Oh, know, I do recall now. Yes. Mesh. Yeah. 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 Eh. Okay. Yeah. And so Lisa starts talking about um, how irritated she is um, with Monica. She starts saying this to Angie, and Angie says. Well, Monica says that you don't want to believe she's in an abusive relationship. And Lisa cuts off Angie a couple of times with a let me finish, just like part of this villain edit. Mm -hmm. um, and she says, you know, I made a judgment based on what I saw. I wouldn't talk to my mother like that. She just has an issue with me. I'm going off her actions. Angie says, well, go off her word. Wait, back up one minute. Did we talk about Monica showing up, arriving? Because Monica was the last to arrive. Monica was the last to arrive. Yes. So she was also another TFP. Yep. Yep. So before we get into the incredible back and forth that we're going to do, I just want to reference a LinkedIn article that I found that okay. talks about the no-nos in a debate or an argument. Oh boy. Okay. <laughs> Don't attack another person. Don't generalize, exaggerate, or be sarcastic. Don't be disrespectful. Don't interrupt. And you would like this last one, never walk away until it's over. Okay. Well, I would agree that last one is very bad play. The other ones, I don't know. Is good debate the same as good play? No, I would say <laughs> they are diametrically opposed. However, I find Monica's play in this scene exasperating. I find okay. it obnoxious. She completely alienates me with, with the ad hominem attacks, with the way she starts mimicking. And it's just, it is playground, just like what you would expect to see in a dive bar fight. Like it's just, <laughs> well, and she does reference that, doesn't she? She's yeah. She's like, like, this is a great place that I fought in parking lots. I have bought it. You know, I'm just like, I get it. I get it. You're scrappy. <laughs> Scrappy. Yeah. She's like a scrappy player. That's actually a great way to describe her play. She's very scrappy. She's very like schoolyard. So 
essentially what we're going to get a lot of in this scene is Angie talking about you guys have gone low. I'm in the middle. Um, I, I don't like this. You know, Angie, of course, when, when Monica walks in, Angie says to her like, Hey, I feel like I'm in the middle. And Monica's like, well, you guys keep bringing it up. It's yeah, not me. I don't want to talk about play, it. Yeah. Yeah. Total victim play. And it's total BS. Like that's, that's one of those moments where I'm like, I see through you, honey. Like <laughs> it is not them bringing it up. Um, and so Lisa also is trying to get some sympathy. She's looking for sympathy from Whitney and Whitney's like, dude, I'm busy. I'm working. I got to go make a speech. <laughs> so then Lisa goes and tries to get Angie and Monica, of course, is, is mocking Lisa basically like oh look at you pulling her away she's pulling you you better go go and all that just ugh, you're so bothered by me I love it I love, I it. love it yeah so she, and this to me like just speaks of insecurity and or just she knows this is the best way to get attention mm. as a player so mm-hmm. good play but also she is alienating this viewer Okay. Definitely not on her side. One less. One less Instagram on. follower. Not that <laughs> I am on Instagram or any other socials. So not a follower. Yeah. So uh, uh, there's a cute moment too that I picked up where Justin, when, when Whitney goes to give her speech, Justin like has his phone out to video her because it's not going to be videoed by anyone else. <laughs> I was, so like, I was like, why like, are you saying, I get it. Do yes. you okay. see all the cameras around you in this Gotta space? Make sure we capture this moment. It's not going to be captured. Right. Okay. But it might not make the cut, you know? Right. Right. So he then doesn't, he, he doesn't know. He doesn't he know. He doesn't know that, that, he that, wants that this is going to be the biggest woman part of it. Who he says looks hot as fuck earlier on. Yes. And she did. She looked pretty hot. So then we've got basically Lisa, Angie, and Monica standing in a row during the speech. You know, Monica makes a little comment and that leads to some back and forth squabbling. And what I originally thought was Lisa trying to pull Angie away was actually Lisa trying to walk away and Angie grabbed her wrist and wouldn't let her go. So I thought that was, um, that was interesting to me. Mm. So we've got more of this, like someone needs attention. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because it's like the entire time it's like, it seems like the fight is between Lisa and Monica, but Angie is always there right in the center and she manages to never be extricated from this fight, even though it has nothing to do with her really. Right. And she's sort of saying, I, I want to be out of this fight. I don't need to be in the middle of this. You guys are making me in the middle of this, which really she's, she's keeping, she's keeping, she's physically keeping Lisa there. Mm-hmm. She clearly, I think, recognizes it's important for her to be in the middle. And maybe the producers yes. have told her that. I don't know. So there's a great moment. Um, Monica re- references something. Lisa says like, you need to be quiet and, Monica's like, you're not my mother. Don't tell me what to do. And Lisa says, I don't want to be your mother. No one wants to be your mother. Clearly. Clearly. That gets a good face some good <laughs> face play from Angie on that. Um, and a, a nice little edit to Monica ITMing like, wow, I am at my tipping point. Um, the two keep sniping each other. Lisa says, don't be fake as fuck with a huge fake smile. There's all this, I stay on your tongue business coming out of Monica, which is such a, it feels like such an old world comment, right? Like that must've come like, it's an old Portuguese, like I stay on your tongue. I'm in your mouth, um, <laughs> which I love. Like it just conjures that Vovo, like, you know, an old black, <laughs> you know, widow's wear or something. <laughs> it's, it's so much back and forth. It's hard to not iterate all of it, but it's just it's just a lot of bickering. It's so much bickering and it's so childish. Um, you know, like everything childish Monica's, confrontation play. It's childish confrontation play. And I'm pretty sure this is what yeah, like I have this down as my error of the week is happening in this moment here. Mm. So Lisa again is basically she just through all the bickering is. I'm just, I just took Angie's side. You were gossiping about her marriage. 
I took her side. That's all this is. Like, we don't need to to talk about this anymore. And then, of course, we get um, in the bickering Monica's amazing, great phrase. You're like a little tramp stamp. You beg for attention everywhere you go. So <laughs> that was good. That was a good. Put, put that on a sticker. Put it on your bumper. <laughs> that was a good one liner. And then I think Lisa tries to do a comeback about cards or something right afterwards. Yeah. Like I all. play with the face cards. You, you play yeah. with the twos and, and that's just fuel for the fire. And that's, you know, like Lisa should not go low. She needs to Michelle Obama it and stay high. Like her strength is not in a street fight, um, which is what Monica is dragging her into. So she, she is really making a big, I'm just going to call it out. This is her error of the game. This is the error okay. of the game is Lisa going low to me. That is the error of the game. Mm. Yeah. She's getting dragged in. Yeah. By mm-hmm. yeah. She's going low with Monica for sure. Yeah. Did she you- chooses to meet Monica on Monica's level instead of, you know, kind of pulling a Meredith Marks and saying like, I'm not going to go there. I'm just going to go outside and talk about how I have rumors about you that could destroy your family or something. Are we at the part where the sound bath has started yet? No, the sound. Okay. Oh, yeah, yes, um, yes. Because this was sound hilarious. It was my favorite part of the entire argument was when the sound bath starts, and then they look back at each other and they just start loud whisper arguing. Yeah, <laughs> like Lisa's like, based on my assessment, you don't treat your mother nicely, and That's Monica odd. goes, "You don't know the situation, Lisa, Lisa." <laughs> Yeah, she's she's just poking the bear. Monica is poking the bear and won't stop it. Yeah, and then I thought Whitney had a couple of great, you know, like she calls out Lisa Barlow to shut up during mm-hmm. the sound bowl. Yes. And then- oh, she threatens that she that she might do a goodbye Kyle play, which is um, kicking someone out of your house or uh-huh. off of a boat or out of an event or whatever. Right? We named it for the infamous moment in Real Housewives of Beverly Hills when Lisa Vanderpump and Ken kicked Kyle out of their house and ended a 12-year friendship and started a friend of goodbye Kyle internet memes <laughs> um she does not end up doing the goodbye she Kyle play, but I was so she... excited I was like is she gonna is someone is someone gonna get a goodbye <laughs> Kyle here <laughs> Lisa does not get the goodbye Kyle although I feel like it would be Monica who would have earned it um and not Lisa um but um Whitney does she does get to make a good comedic quip about like I hope I hope the people in the back were able to get some peace I thought that was good so um we get Monica's ITM about how I like this environment to fight and it's really nice um and she's wearing I think in that ITM that crazy red satin gown which just also looks crazy on her um they go to their separate corners basically Lisa and Whitney is trying you know she's trying to defend herself to Whitney and Angie and Monica are off and Monica's all upset about it. See how she tells you to be quiet. Um, and Angie's like, no, she just didn't want me to speak for her. And Monica, no, she didn't want you to speak and say how you felt. And this is again, what Monica does is she changes the narrative. She did it at the, at the roller skating rink when it was like, that's just what my mom did. Like she's just basically changing the narrative to convince the other person. They're actually fighting about something different than what yes. actually happened yeah it was good fire stoking play though because she's getting it it's working on angie and she's getting getting angry but i thought this whole scene this whole big bickering and fighting angie managing to somehow stay in the middle of this drama that actually has nothing to do with her her. that was such good play this was my play of the week what up is Angie? It was Angie because I love it. it was like, what does she have to do with anything? And yet she's here in the middle the entire time. And it really made me reflect on how Angie was able to go from just a friend of last season to being a full housewife. I think it's, she gets herself in the drama and she stays in it no matter what it is, whether she's involved or not. And I think, I think she's pretty crafty. I don't think it's necessarily producers even have to tell her. I think she's good at doing her, it herself. I, I mean, I will go, I will, I will take that crafty and I will uh, emphasize it because my play, play of, the of the week, week is that very first scene. It is Angie's apology play with Monica because that sets mm-hmm. the stage 
for the entire episode. She would not be in the middle. She would not be able Mm -hmm. to be there in the middle if it weren't for her mending that fence with Monica and also having Lisa like, you know, so she's, she makes sure she's connected to both of them. Yes. She knows how to play the relationships. Exactly. So Mm, that was my fight of the week. She is, and she kept that fight going. She won't let Lisa leave, you know, and in the middle of the fight. So she was definitely, she was also, at one point I was thinking I would give MVP to Heather and to Whitney for stirring the pot separately about spreading the conversations on Lisa's Mm -hmm. comments. But in the end, Angie is my player of the week. She is, she is really from start to finish the person who really helps this drama of this episode be as explosive as it is. I mean, along with Monica being just obnoxious and difficult (laughs) and awful. Tell me what you really think about Monica. Oh, I, I would run, not walk away from that individual. Well, you're not going to like this then because for her tier play and Vovo PTCs played to multiple other players for her two TFPs for her confrontation play at Bobby's birthday party and bickering, whisper arguing and loud confrontation play at Whitney's prism event and her stirring the pot between Lisa and Angie. Monica was my MVP. I love it. You really lay it out very nicely. You, you, I love it. She really, the stats definitely do show. I just, I know, I know that she really has the stats to be MVP, but I refuse to give it to her. I just refuse. I'm principal. (laughs) Oh, it was great. Um, And then we get like a quick um, sneak peek of next uh-huh. season. Yes. Heather asks Mary if she looks like an inbred and Mary says, it. yes. Take it from <laughs> oh, me. I'm man. a truth teller. <laughs> <laughs> there is some sort of confrontation between Vovo and Monica at her house with her kids. Uh-huh. And I'm getting another pre ick wondering like, was this set up by producers and does Monica even know it's going to happen with her kids there? I don't know. I was getting a little ick there. We'll see what happens. Whitney is mad at Monica and Lisa for fighting at her event. There's confrontation play between Lisa and Angie, which was set up by Angie's my play of the game for Angie and you're giving Angie MVP. Mm -hmm. Um, That confrontation play wouldn't have been possible without all that. And then Heather has a book signing where Angie accuses Meredith of threatening her family. Yes. So we'll have another, um, another, Another event tainted by housewife bickering. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. As am I. As am I. This was this was a lot of fun. I did this episode. It, it really it helped um, stimulate me intellectually and looking at really the way Monica operates and really honing in on all her um just all of her argument fallacies, like all the ways she she had you googling debate styles. I mean, right? That's she had not me looking play, up I don't know what straw man, <laughs> like all of the debate techniques, like all the bad argument techniques that people use. So, <laughs> so it's making me a better person. Here we go. Real Housewives makes me a better person. It's done nothing but improve my life. So I'm glad it's put it on the side well. of a bus with the ad. <laughs> Okay, friends, I'll see you next time. Looking forward to it. Have a great week.